0: Hey, welcome to episode number 74 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for this podcast. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah once said to God, kind of like a prayer in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, he prayed, oh God, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. When I discovered your words, Jeremiah wrote, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. It'll take more than bread to bring joy and delight into our hearts. It will take the words of God that drip like honey from his mouth. Since episode 67, the words of God that we've been pondering are the words of Mark's gospel. And today we'll start by reading Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. We're actually in Mark 2 today. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home, and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof. Now, this roof wouldn't have been like ours today. It was a mud roof, fairly thick, probably, but but an adobe kind of mud roof. And so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Don't miss that. That's pretty important in my mind. Seeing their faith, not not the faith of the man who was paralyzed, but seeing the faith of the friends, their faith was important for the paralyzed man. Jesus said to him, my child, your son's sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. <laughs> and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned unlookers. You, you got to believe he danced out, right? That's my imagination. He danced out through the stunned unlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So just like those other four that we talked about in the last few days, Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating, saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. At a leadership conference many years ago, John Orberg told the story of a life-saving organization in Massachusetts. If you ever go to Nantucket Island, there's a little museum there devoted to this volunteer organization that was formed over 300 years ago. Now, in those days, travel by sea was extremely dangerous, right? Atlantic storms combined with the rocky coasts of Massachusetts led to so many lives lost, oftentimes within a mile or less of the land. A, a group of people who, who lived on Nantucket couldn't bear the thought of all those people lost at sea and, and so they, so close to land. So they went into the life-saving business. They, they banded together to form what was originally called the Humane Society. It wasn't for animals. It was a rescue mission for people. They built these little huts all along the shore. In fact, if you go to the museum today, you can still see one of the original huts. They they built these little huts containing boats and rescue equipment. They were sometimes called huts of refuge, huts of refuge. People were posted in these huts of refuge 24-7, watching the sea, looking for boats caught in a storm. Anytime a ship went down, people would go out. They'd risk themselves to save every life they could. They gave all they had to give life to others. They were all volunteers. They didn't do it for money or recognition. They simply valued people, especially people in need of life. In fact, to remind themselves of the value of people in need of rescue, they adopted a motto. (laughs) You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. In other words, the mission is more important than your comfort. Lost people matter to God. People in need are people of value. There's a mission that is worth dying for. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> it's not a very comforting slogan, but, but actually something stirred the passions of the people of Nantucket. They, they caught the vision and they joined the mission and huts of refuge formed all up and down the coast. The, the museum contains fascinating stories of those who risked everything to save people that they would never meet, faces they'd never seen, names they might never know. They were in the life-saving business. And that's why I love this story in Mark chapter 2. It's a hut of refuge, life-saving business kind of story. Jesus comes back to Capernaum, word is spread, and the crowd gathers. No room for someone in need. So four friends dig a hole in the mud roof, and they lower their friend down. Just imagine this, right in front of Jesus. Who knows what happened? Regardless of how it happened, the reality is is now, if if this man goes anywhere, he goes on his mat. It's a little two-foot by six-foot stretcher. That's what it is. And, And wherever he goes, the first thing people see is someone who's broken. Someone who won't make it through life without help. I mean, it, honestly, when people look at him, it's hard to see past a body in need of a miracle. He he wears his brokenness on the outside. It, it isn't always that way, though, is it? Sometimes the people who need a Jesus encounter, we wear our brokenness on the inside, right? I mean, if we have eyes to see, if we could see people through God's eyes, there are people in our world, in our neighborhoods, in the place where you work, in your school, in our families, who are just as broken, just as desperate. This is so important. I mean, think of one person right now who needs Jesus. Ask God to bring to mind one mat-bound person who desperately needs a Jesus encounter. You have that person in your mind? You have that name? You have that face? Now ask yourself, am I willing to be one of that person's four? Someone who will do whatever it takes, no matter how embarrassing or out of bounds it might seem. Am I willing to do what it takes to get them to Jesus? They tried to push through the crowd to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him. So they went up on the roof, they took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man down into the crowd, still on his mat, right in front of Jesus. Over the course of the last uh, 25 plus years, we've been living out a vision at our church that we've called Being a Church Without Walls. The mission of a church without walls is simple, not easy, but simple. We want to help others encounter Jesus. People in need of Jesus matter. We, we're willing to do anything we can to help others encounter Jesus. And in fact, what what we've been doing for a year now here at Calvary is, is every fourth Sunday, we don't meet in the building. We, we have a CWOW Sunday, Church Without Wall Sunday, CWOW weekend. We go out into our neighborhoods and love our neighbors. We're called to love our neighbors like Jesus loves our neighbors so that others can find Jesus. This is the fellowship of the mat. Now, don't do it alone. (laughs) We need a team because being part of a team develops courage and together we can do more than we can do alone. Don't do it alone, but do it. These four men joined in a fellowship for the mission of helping their friend encounter Jesus. I mean, imagine it. Don't worry, they're they're not ripping off shingles and tearing up rafters. The roofs in Jesus' day were tiles covered with a a layer of dirt. So there's Jesus in the middle of this crowded room, and all of a sudden the dirt starts falling through the cracks, and and then there's a spot of daylight, right, growing larger by the second. Imagine being the host of the home. You've offered your home for a meeting, and all of a sudden a skylight's being installed. What, What would you say to your insurance agent? Like one pastor says, Jesus was there. Maybe you could call it an act of God, And all of a sudden the mat starts descending, a mat attached to four ropes, which are attached to four sets of arms. These guys are pretty committed, aren't they? Won't let anything keep us from bringing our friend to Jesus, not the crowd, not the hypocritical religious leaders, no barriers, no excuses, just do it. Jesus looked at the man on the mat and he looked up at the hole in the house and he looked down at the man on the mat and he looked up at the four men attached to the mat and later he would tell his friends, that what he did, he did because of their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Or in other words, son, I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to make your heart whole. Pause here for a moment. Don't miss it. It's pretty important. Jesus forgave the man's sins. He healed his heart. And some of us are probably thinking that healing his body was the bigger deal. I mean, what sins could a paralyzed man even commit? But Jesus knows that some of the most deadly sins, like resentment and pride and bitterness and envy and judgmentalism and sloth, those are sins committed without raising a finger or walking a step. Your sins are forgiven, Jesus says. Jesus looks past what everyone else sees. He looks past the paralysis of a body to a place that is the wellspring of life, the heart. And he knows that at the heart of an uncommon life is the life of an uncommon heart, and so He begins by forgiving the man's sin. He heals his heart. Why? Because of their faith. Because of the faith of those four friends. Do you you realize that your faith is not just important for your story? It might be vital for someone else's life. Do Do you realize that the story God is writing in someone else's life might begin with the words, by your faith? Could it be that there are people around us whose stories remain unwritten because Jesus has yet to see our faith? These four men were given the opportunity to be a part of a grand epic, a drama of life and death played out in front of standing room only audience. And and without their faith, it seems like the story would not have been written. And I just want to tell you today, Jesus is looking for people to join the fellowship of the man. He's looking for people who are faithful, people who will respond to the voice of God in their day-to-day lives, people who will be faithful to the mission that we've been given. He's looking for people who are compassionate, People who value people. People matter to Jesus. That's, that's why he healed this man's heart and healed his body because people matter to him. Do they matter to us? He, he's looking for people who will persevere. These four guys would not give up. They didn't let the man's crippled legs keep them from Jesus. They didn't let the crowd keep them from Jesus. They didn't let a building keep them from Jesus. They were They were willing to do whatever they could, whatever it takes. And because they were willing to do whatever it took, and before the day was over, they'd watched their friend jump up and dance with a healed heart. So let me just ask you: Will you join the fellowship of the mat? You know, as much as I, I want to see signs and wonders like the healing of bodies, even more, I hunger to see the healing, the renovation of hearts. The the kind of renovation that leads to the restoration of marriages and and families, that leads to freedom from addictions, that that leads to the reconciliation of relationships, that leads to overflowing forgiveness and uncommon generosity, and and hearts that hear the voice of Jesus and follow his call with with abandon and joy. I I don't know who is on the mat that Jesus has asked you to carry. I, I don't know who he brought to mind. But I do believe with all my heart that he's asked you to carry someone's mat, that he's asked you to help someone encounter Jesus. Who is your one? Uh, Let me read the story again, this time from the Living Bible, and and then I want to pray for you. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the city. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there. there, wasn't room for a single person more, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a stretcher. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they, they dug through the clay roof above his head, and they lowered the sick man on his stretcher right down in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw how strongly they believed that, that he would help, Jesus said to the sick man, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" But some of the Jewish religious leaders said to themselves as they sat there, What? This is blasphemy. Does he think he is God? For only God can forgive sins. Jesus could read their minds and said to them at once, Why does this bother you? I, the Messiah, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Anybody could say that. So I'll prove it to you by healing this man. Then turning to the paralyzed man, he commanded, Pick up your stretcher and go home, for you're healed. The man jumped up, took the stretcher, pushed his way through the stunned onlookers, and then how they praise God. We've never seen anything like this before, they exclaimed. Then Jesus went out to the seashore again and preached to the crowds that gathered around him. And as he was walking up the beach, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collection booth. Come with me, Jesus told him. Come be my disciple. And Levi jumped to his feet and went along. And that night, there was another party, my words. <laughs> Levi invited his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners to be his dinner guests so that they could meet Jesus and his disciples. There were many men of this type among the crowds that followed him. But when some of the Jewish religious leaders saw him eating with these men of bad reputation, they said to his disciples, how can he stand it to eat with such scum? When Jesus heard what they were saying, he told them, sick people need the doctor, not healthy ones. I haven't come to tell good people to repent. I've come to tell bad people. Father, as we close this section, this message, I, I, I pray that each and every one of us, e- even if we feel like we are the person on the mat, we we need you Jesus and we can't get there on our own. I, I pray that you would put it in every one of our hearts that one day someday, maybe today that that we would be one of a team, a, a fellowship of the mat who, who would be committed to doing whatever it takes to bringing a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, a schoolmate, bringing them to Jesus. I, I pray that you would give us faith for, for that one person that came to our minds. I, I pray that you would give us opportunity. I pray that you would give us courage. I, I pray that we would know that there is nothing more important than helping people meet you, Jesus. And God, for everyone who feels like they're on a mat, God, I pray that there would be a time soon when they would dance, when they would get up and jump and dance, and all the people would be amazed by what you have done in their life, Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.